As we've just read, Jesus said, It's expedient for you that I go away. It's expedient for you. It's expedient for me. On that day, wasn't expedient for Jesus. He was looking forward, not very long from then, to being crucified and killed. They put his body in a tomb. And three days later, he'd rise again. And when he appeared to his disciples after he was risen, he made sure to prove to them that it was he himself, his actual physical body. And he'd say, handle me, touch me. And he'd say, put your finger in the holes of my hands and put your finger in the hole in my side where they pierced my side with the spear. And he ate food in front of them to prove that he was physical. He was physically risen from the dead. And they loved Jesus. They didn't want him to leave, but he was saying, it's expedient for you that I go away. And they had such a hard time receiving that, they couldn't even really understand it. And they were blessed 2,000 years ago to have the physical presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many Christians I've met are envious of that. They dream about it. They say, oh, if I could only have walked with Jesus, maybe even side by side, if I could have just heard him preach, I wish I could have been there for his first miracles and saw him turn water into wine. And I I wish I could have been there to see him heal the sick. I could have brought my loved ones. Because he healed everyone. And I wish I was there in the boat that day when he walked on the water. And what if I would I have been like Peter saying, Lord, call me out there with you. Would I have that kind of faith? And many, many Christians, including myself, have longed for these things. But the scripture says that God's giving us something even better. And it might be hard for us to receive today. So I'd like to look carefully at the scriptures. Because those disciples that Jesus was speaking to, they'd experienced all of those things. They'd walked with Jesus. But Jesus said, it's more expedient for you if I go away and send the Holy Spirit. So you and I have a better today. It's better for us than it was for them so long ago. We're even more blessed than the physical presence of Jesus that they had for a short time. His ministry was only three years. But the scripture says we're even more blessed today by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to meditate on these things. To look deeply in the scripture. Could we even drink, drink deeply in this well of living water? God wants to provide for us. Because think about it. Back then, Jesus traveled from village to village. And he didn't go very far. I don't think he went more than 100 miles from Bethlehem his whole life. Christ's presence now is universal. And to achieve that, according to his Father's will... He withdrew his physical presence from the earth. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
is better for us today. And Bruce writes, before Jesus left, the disciples were confused, thick-headed, afraid, selfish, self-centered. After Jesus left, and after the Helper had come, they were wise, surrendered, bold, and giving. Truly, it was to your advantage that Jesus left. And God's program that he's given us of total life transformation is made possible because Jesus left and poured out the Holy Spirit on the earth. And God's word says, this is Romans 12 too, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Lord, what things would you have me believe? That my mind might be renewed and transform my whole being. And our Lord goes into it in our scripture reading today. It's in an orderly manner, step by step, starting at the beginning. Luke 16, verse 7. I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, it's the name for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter will not come. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And he says it will prove the whole world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the Holy Spirit's first ministry, you could say, is to the sinner. And he reproves the whole world of sin, meaning each person individually. And it's by the Holy Spirit's ministry that each one of us can see our own sin. And before we come to Christ, we see that we're lost. There's no help or hope in ourselves or we're headed to hell. And we can try to argue against it perhaps before we're saved. The Holy Spirit's right there reproving them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin because they know they're doing things that are wrong. Righteousness because there's, there's righteous things that they want to do that they can't attain. And judgment because they know in their heart that there's going to be a judgment day. But Matthew 18, 11, Jesus says, The Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. So Jesus, in his short ministry, his physical ministry here on the earth, reached one person at a time, one heart at a time. Now the Holy Spirit is reaching out to sinners around the whole world. Matthew 18, 12, How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray. Does he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And Jesus walked those hills and mountains around the Sea of Galilee. But today the Holy Spirit is going into hills and mountains. He's going over the hills of New Hampshire. I mean, across rivers and oceans, the deepest jungle, the most barren, the most dry desert, seeking just that one precious soul. So yes, it is more expedient for us that Jesus left and poured out his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is active in the lives of lost people, people that haven't found Christ yet. He's active already in their lives, but seldom, if ever, do they realize it. Many don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. He is pleading with them, and they can feel that and know that, but they don't know who or what it is. And theology can help. Some of these people have actually read the Bible. 
And theology can only bring us so far. Theology is like, in this case, reading a biography about someone. A relationship is like getting married. And salvation is meant to be a relationship. So, of course, a man's wife knows it much better than somebody that just read a biography. And the biography might be good. It might be the introduction to the person. You might say, oh, this is an interesting man. I'd like to get to know him. But what is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? In Acts chapter 19, we read about the Apostle Paul. and He, he was a traveling preacher. And he had traveled into Ephesus. And he met certain disciples. And, and he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they replied, this is Acts 19.2, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And through the years I've met a lot of disciples like that, even, even Christians. And I'd like to, to give one example. Many years ago, a family I knew, they were listening to the radio, and a certain song came on. It's a rock and roll song. And it ends with this. And the three men I admire most, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They caught the last train for the coast. <laughs> they, the music died. And the little girl didn't know who the Holy Ghost was. So she asked her mom. Her mom didn't know either. But she said, well, Doug will come around the way he always does. Won't be too long from now, probably. And you can ask him. So I was a traveling preacher, an evangelist. So not long after that, I don't think, Visited the family, so here comes a little girl running. <laughs> and uh, I was taken a little bit aback, trying to explain the Trinity, the drop of a hat to the child. <laughs> um, but she looked at me very intently, studying, <laughs> studying my face, and I'm explaining the Trinity. And as soon as I was done, she went running to her mom and said, uh, The Holy Ghost is God. So <laughs> I was kind of doubting myself because, you know, the Trinity at the drop of the hat, really. Um, but she not only understood, she could put it in her own words and explain it to her mom. And, and then her mother knew, knew as well. And the family needed help. They, they knew that they needed help. You know, and they, they knew I wasn't judging them. They, they knew they needed help but, uh, to make changes. But how do you do it? And actually, th this was more than just theology. Because what they really needed in their lives was the Holy Spirit. And the father was an alcoholic. And I'll, I'll give just a little bit of his story. As a young teenager, he committed a really serious crime. Went to some sort of juvenile center, whatever they call it. Not a prison, but if you're under 18. But he was a lot under 18. And that one mistake, granted a big mistake, but it's like Domino was falling down. It, it turned into a, a life that he wanted to escape from and couldn't with police after him and hiding and going to prison and getting out and going back. So I asked the father if he'd ever come to Christ, if he'd ever said the sinner's prayer. And he said, I, I still remember this, <laughs> like it was yesterday. He says, oh yeah, I grew up a Christian. I said that three times. So what's missing then? Where's, where's the power? And what's missing is the Holy Spirit. So if we look back at Acts 19, when Paul met those disciples, they didn't even know that there was a Holy Ghost. 
And it, it's a short account, so it doesn't say all he did. I, I believe there must have been some teaching involved in prayer. But in any case, the, the passage does say that Paul laid hands upon them, and they received the Holy Ghost, and started speaking in tongues and prophesying. So in other words, Paul says, you need the Holy Ghost, you need this power in your life. So, so with this man, whose story I've been giving, I lost track of him for many years. And I didn't know if he was alive or dead. I mean, uh, people that are in and out of jail, I mean, there's all sorts of different people, but if there's crime and, or maybe gangs involved or some sort of addiction. I mean, I've lost people. I've asked, tried to lead people to Christ and they didn't want it. Uh, and I never saw them accept Christ. There's always hope. Because I don't follow them every minute. But all I'm saying is I've, I've tried to lead people to Christ. They didn't want it. And the next thing you knew, they were, they were in the grave. And, you know, I make friends with people. It's really tough. Especially with people with ongoing problems. And, but anyway, he's one of the cases of people, he moved to be with family at some distance away. Um, and as it turned out, he did come close to dying. But he survived by God's grace. He woke up in the hospital. You know, a bunch of tubes and wires. And he started thinking about things that I had said to the family and uh, scripture passages I had quoted many years ago that he couldn't understand for the life of him. And suddenly, he told me, just all started making sense. He eventually found my phone number somehow, even though it had changed through friends, I guess, and called me and I heard the story. So again, I wasn't there in the hospital with him. Hadn't seen him for a number of years. But I'm pretty sure that was the Holy Ghost. So let's turn back to our scripture reading. It's in John 16. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is a Spirit of truth. He'll show you what the Bible means. First, you need to get saved. Before a person does get saved, there's many things he can't understand. He can see that he's a sinner in need of a Savior. But before salvation, it's hard to get past that. Jesus said, you must be born again. So if you haven't come to Christ, make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Give your life to him. You should be baptized in water as a testimony to the world. Men do that. But then you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and only God can do that. And if that happens, your eyes are opened, you can look at the, the scriptures, and the Bible is a different book, and you can understand it, but it's not just academic, it's a way of life. In those sacred pages, you see a Christian life, and God makes it possible for you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, what was once unreachable and, that, and unobtainable, God makes possible. But have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? If not, then you should ask in prayer because Jesus said to ask. God knows what we need. He wants us to get saved. After that happens, He wants us to have a victorious life. 
but there's some responsibility on our part. The only way we can accomplish that is through God's plan, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, this is Luke 11, verse 11. If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Here, sir, here's a nice rock to eat and mature. No. Or if he asks a fish, will he give him for a fish a snake? No. Or if we ask for an egg, will we offer him a scorpion? If he then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So if you haven't received the Holy Spirit, you ask. And the last time I heard from my friend, I, I tried to keep in touch. I heard he was doing well. He found a job, was able to keep a job, was doing well at it, progressed and actually became the manager. It's not hiding from the police these days. Doesn't go around looking over his shoulder. Doesn't keep going in and out of jail. Doesn't drink alcohol anymore. Life is good. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've given one person's story there's many, many people like this. And I've invested a lot of time and effort and tears and heartache into people with, with similar stories. And honestly, a lot of the feedback I get, particularly in the beginning of the relationship with the person, a lot of the feedback I get is, you're wasting your time. He'll never change. Oh, we've tried and tried. Really? Because the God that I worship is more than powerful to change anybody's life and I don't care who you are. But specifically, it's the Holy Spirit that changes lives. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And your mind is renewed by Bible truth, your faith, and the Holy Spirit all working together. God's truth is in the Bible. You can't see it without the Holy Spirit. But you can pray about it and God will open your eyes. And... Will you believe it? God shows you what the scripture says. Do you believe it? Not every Christian, just being honest again, not every Christian believes every passage of God's word. It's a choice. But if you believe it, then can you attain that Christian life that God is pointing you to? And we can't do it on our own power. We can only do it by the Holy Spirit. And too many Christians... They pray, God changed my life, but they don't want to be obedient to what God's already told them. We need to be obedient with what, to what we already know. We can't skip obedience and go to things that our flesh likes better. The Bible isn't an ordinary book. It was written under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that's how it's understood. Jesus said, this is verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Holy Spirit, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak. So notice the submission here. 
God loves submission. We can see submission even in the Godhead. The Holy Spirit submits to both the Father and the Son. So God loves submission. Men, not always. But there's good things the Holy Spirit wants to teach us and we receive them through submission and obedience. So if, if I'm transformed, it's by God's plan, it's according to the renewing of my mind, so I need to learn how to stop being so self-focused and full of myself and thinking I'm great and thinking I'm wise and I need to put Christ first, which is a reality anyway. Who is seated on a throne in heaven? Who is the first? It's Christ. And when I train my mind to accept this reality, it's better for me. Put, put Christ first, put other people ahead of myself, and then in my mind, put myself last. And if we'll have faith in this way, God will transform us. But the transformation, the power to do that, is God's. And it's important to realize that because I can't take credit for my new life in Christ. It's all God. And again, the Holy Spirit is our example. Verse 14 says, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So false teachers glorify themselves, but we contrast this to the apostles of Christ, and they all always glorified him. And it was true then, it's true now, that, that men tend to be proud, and it's easy to fall into that trap. I mean, that was the, the devil's problem. Ages ago, and the devil was so proud, he thought that, that he deserved worship, so he fell and brought down one-third of the angels with him. And those same demons would try to tempt you today. But the Holy Spirit, it says, doesn't speak of himself. Whatever he hears, that he speaks, and he glorifies Christ. And this same Holy Spirit wants to give us things that he's been given. But will you listen? Will you believe what he says? Will you keep praying about it? Will you do it? And total transformation of your whole life, even your own being, is possible. And I don't care who you are, where you've been, how much the world has beaten you down, or what other people say. Because God says, when you accept, when you accept Christ... God says that you're a new creature in Christ. And here the Lord's promise to us. It's verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. So he'll show it to you. No, he'll show it to you personally. He doesn't show it to a pastor or a priest. And I, I don't give give you my faith second hand the Holy Spirit will show it to you all things belong to the Father he's given things to Jesus and the Holy Spirit will personally show them to you and then you have a choice whether or not you'll receive it if so then this is how God will transform you Heavenly Father we thank you for your precious promise that we're new creatures in Christ. Amen.